Good morning. So who serves as your anchor? In chaos, who do you have in your life that will not only tell you the truth, but they live the truth? Who do you have in your life that in the chaos, you go to them, you, that's the people, that's the person, that's the one, or two, or three. I can, I can hang on to that. Did you know that you are called to be an anchor to other people? That if you're an aunt or an uncle, if you are a brother or a sister, if you are a mom or dad, if you go to our church, there is a sea of people and a sea of children, you're going to see them at the picnic, that are here that need anchors. And God has actually called you to be that anchor. That's why Christ says he wants to be our anchor. Because to be a great anchor in chaos, you have got to have something to hang on to so other people can hang on to you and grab a hold of you. So we've been working through some pretty tough issues, and uh, we have the goal of being able to talk to each other about it as we move forward, but also to be able to talk about it in our groups. We've been pretty successful. What's been happening in our groups, people are like, yeah, we've been able to talk about some, some tough issues and, and wrestle with them. It's been a good thing for our church. Today we hit our last one. We wrap up our series, uh, Convictions, which is, these are anchors in this sea of chaos. And today we're going to talk about the sanctity of life or abortion. And what I'm going to do is I'm just, first I'm going to give you some facts. I'm going to kind of run through it fairly quickly. And uh, then we've got an interview and then I'm going to wrap up, uh, wrap up the series. So let's jump in. Uh, what does God say about the value of life? In, uh, we're going to go back to Genesis chapter 9. And uh, as we do... We're not going back to creation. This time we're going back to just after the flood. So God created mankind. They flourished throughout the earth. And then uh, they became so evil that God wiped them out and started all over again with Noah and his family. And he's resetting civilization. And as he does, he gives this passage. But you must not eat meat that has its lifeblood still in it. For your lifeblood, I will surely demand of an accounting. I will demand an accounting from every animal, from every human, each human being too. I will demand an accounting for the life of another human being. See, we, we learned that earlier, right? The, the life is in the blood. This is actually why if you watch anything that's connected to satanic worship or the, the following of those, those cults, it always includes the drinking of blood. It's the exact opposite of what God says. Then he gives our foundational passage for today. Whoever sheds human blood by humans shall their blood be shed. This issue really comes down to this one principle. Is it wrong to murder somebody? Of course it is. Why? Well, because it's not nice. That's true. It's not nice. Not a good reason. What's your actual reason? Society wouldn't function well. It's always been that way. 
That's what the government said. It's against the law. I know it's against the law. Why? Why is it against the law? God set this basic principle. For in the image of God has God made mankind. It is wrong to kill somebody else because they're made in the image of God. It's between you and God. Sometimes we'll be like, hey, listen, those, the, the, penalties, the penalties for murder, they don't keep other people from killing. They're not a deterrent. It's not supposed to be a deterrent. That's not what it is. It is God's penalty. He introduces capital punishment here. Why? Because everyone is created in the image of God. That's the most foundational piece to understanding the sanctity, the sacredness of life. Every life is sacred. It's special. As for you, be fruitful and increase in number. Multiply on the earth and increase upon it. He keeps that up. Keep reproducing. Keep producing more life. What does God say about us in the womb? So first we know that piece. What does God say us about, about us in the womb? I was surprised. As I worked through the word womb, how many times God talks about the womb and the interaction in the womb. But I, I just picked out a couple of ones that are kind of major pieces for this. You who created my inmost beings, this is David talking about God. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you. I was made in the secret place. Never forget, life is a miracle. Life is a miracle. You can't just create life. God creates life. And when this happens... There's this secret place. There's something happening there that is not just physical. It is spiritual. What do you mean? I mean, God has created a person. That person is not just physical. You are not just a physical being. You are a spiritual or a soul, an eternal soul. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth... Your eyes saw my unformed body. God interacts with the unborn as a person, fully as a person. In Jeremiah, he talks about, uh, at the very beginning of the book of Jeremiah, he talks about when he called Jeremiah to be a prophet. He says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I set you apart to be a prophet. When did he do that? Before he was even born. While he's in the womb, he's interacting with him as a person. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. So, biblically, uh, it's, it's pretty clear for two reasons. One, everyone's made in God's image. When do you get the image of God? The moment. That's in the moment that that little sperm hits that egg and that person becomes a baby. That's when the soul, that's when the spirit starts and God interacts with them from there. 
Now, you hear a lot of information out there, a lot of, a lot of arguing, a lot of little clips here and there about when does life begin. So we're just going to go with the biological one on this one, right? Biologically, when does life begin? And uh, so I got a couple of things. Everything I'm going to read from you next has, it's not from a Christian perspective. It's just from a, uh, actually from an atheistic perspective. One is a survey by SSRA. They do bunches of scientific surveys. Um, it says, biologists from 1,058 academic institutions around the world assessed, assessed survey items and when, when a human's life begins. And overall, 96%, but I want, to see, I want you to see the next two numbers. 5,337 out of 5,577 affirmed the fertilization view. What's the fertilization view? The minute they meet, it's a baby. That's a life. It's an entirely separate life. The next one uh, I, I liked, this is from... Um, This is from a gal from Princeton. So she's from New Jersey. That's part of why I picked it. The other one is she's doing a, this study has nothing to do with abortion. It has everything to do with whether or not you should do tests on embryos at all. Because her question in this study is, are embryos babies? Um, this is the conclusion, the conclusion that she came up with. As this de demonstrated above, the human embryonic organism formed at fertilization is a whole human being. Therefore, it is not a blob or a bunch of cells. This new human individual also has a mixture of both the mother and the father's chromosomes, and therefore is not just a piece of the mother's tissues. That is from uh, When Do Human Beings Begin? Myths and Science Facts by Diane uh, Irving. The next piece is I want to read two pieces from you from a guy named uh, Henrique. And I found this interesting because, make sure I find it. Nope. All right, I got the first, uh, the first one, not the second one. He gives a, a summary. He, this is, he's an atheist. He gives a summary for the biblical view. From his perspective, what people from the biblical view are saying. He did a pretty good job, so I thought I'd read it. The Judeo-Christian worldview provides one such framework in it. Humans exist at a special place on the ladder of creation, made in the, transcend, made in the image of God. Humans are a unique creature granted a mystical transcendent soul. Transcendent means your life is way more than your body. It means it's way more than the moment. It's way more, way more than just this life. It's eternal. Soul that enables them to have free will and dominion over the earth. Human specialness is central to the whole narrative, and for many who hold this worldview, conception provides a sensible point at which a soul is conferred by God. This is the basic justification scheme that links devout Christianity to a pro-life position in America. It follows deductively that this position, from this position, 
that abortion is the murder of unborn human beings. Greg Henriquez. The second paragraph that I was going to read to you, which is back there in that office somewhere, is, is basically this. As an atheist, if you, if you are truly an atheist and you truly believe that you evolved, then your life is meaningless. You have no purpose and you have no value. It's illogical to say that you do. They know that's true. So they came up with their own system. It's called TOK. And in this system, they just decide that humans are valuable and so they shouldn't be murdered. But they don't get it. They do not get it from where or logically where they come from. When does life begin? When does the baby start? The baby starts the minute, the second that that happens. There's a third piece to this that I think is important. And the third piece is, what does, God, what does Jesus or God call his followers to? Children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. In the Bible, children are a gift. They're not a problem. This is central to what we're called to. Children in the Bible are always a gift. They're not a problem. In, G in Jesus, when he was here, he called a little child to him and placed the child among them. And he said, truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. See that, you do not, see that you do not despise one of these little ones. He's crystal clear. Don't ever see the child as the problem. He doesn't. Then he makes this interesting statement. For I tell you that their angels, the child's angels, in heaven always see the face of my father in heaven. And God's face towards children is always that they are a gift to be protected that the innocent are always to be protected by the strong so as you go through uh, Ephesians and Colossians and the different books in the New Testament Paul will give you doctrinal truth, so he'll teach you. This is who God is. This is who man is. Here's the problem. Uh, Jesus came to solve the problem. So that's what it means to be a Christian. And then he'll tell you how to live it out. And guess what he talks about every time? He talks about men who love God, therefore they love their wives. He talks about women who love God, therefore they build up and submit to their husbands. And that both of them take on the responsibility to raise their children in the nurture and in admonition of the Lord. The whole calling, everything that Christ said, this is what I've done, I want you to have this new life. And then when he says, this is how you live the new life, what do you do? You protect the innocent. You take care of children. 
That's what you do. That's what God has called us to do. A couple other passages about the innocent say, Keep far from a false charge and do not kill the innocent and righteous, for I will not acquit the wicked. Learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless, plead the widow's case. That's what we're called to do. So, our conclusion, life is sacred and special because each of us are created in God's image. And no man is to take another man's life. Both spiritually and biologically, life begins at conception. So abortion at any stage is the taking of a life and therefore morally wrong before God. Now, many of us have either had an abortion or as men were with a girl and she had an abortion or we have close friends who've had abortions and we live in a state where you can have an abortion up to 15 seconds before the child is born. So what are we to do? How do we interact with this? So um, I've asked uh, Cynthia Strickland to come and share with us. We're going to do a little interview with her. So please give a warm welcome to uh, Cynthia. Good morning. Good morning. How are you doing? Good. Good. Well, uh, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Hey, um, I am Cynthia Strickland. I am married to Randy Strickland. I have three beautiful daughters, Chelsea, Rebecca, and Hannah Strickland. And I do work for First Choice Women's Resource Center in the Morristown office. Awesome. And how many years have you worked there, and how did you happen to get involved? Well, um, I've been there now 14 years, and um, I, it was when I was an at-home mom, and I just felt that the experience of being a mom was so amazing and what a wonderful gift from God that I wanted to help other women that were uh, unsure of their pregnancy to go forward with the pregnancy and have this amazing experience. I also was inspired by a quote that Mother Teresa made at a president's prayer breakfast where she said, and I'd like to read that to you, but I feel that the greatest destroyer of peace today is abortion because it is a war against the child, a, di a direct killing of the innocent child murdered by the mother herself. And if we accept that a mother can kill even her own child, how can we tell other people not to kill one another? Any country that accepts abortion is not teaching the people to love, but to use violence to get whatever it wants this is why the greatest destroyer of love and peace is abortion. So what can you tell us about First Choice? What do they do? What? Great question. So um, First Choice has existed since 1985, with Morristown being the first center. We now have four other centers, one in Montclair, Newark, Jersey City, and New Brunswick. And our mission statement is to protect the unborn by empowering women. And our role is to help women that are undecided about their pregnancy to choose life. 
And so we do this in a very non-judgmental space with lots of love and compassion. We share information with them about how they can go forward with their pregnancy. We also share information about the development of their pregnancy from the start of conception to where they currently are in their pregnancy. We provide parenting classes. We um, help them connect with agencies in the county that can help them with resources going forward with the pregnancy. We also have a Real Talk education director that goes to schools and youth groups to speak about how sexual activity impacts a person. We also know that um, not all pregnancies go full term, so we do provide post-abortion counseling for anyone that has gone through the pain of an abortion. It is a six-week Bible study called Forgiven and Set Free. So if anyone here or if you know of anyone that has gone through the pain of an abortion, we would love to help through the healing process. So please contact us. Awesome. So um, often abortion and uh, sanctity of life is connected to political things. Is it political for you? Absolutely not. So I do this because of my strong conviction that all life matters because we are created in the image of God. And so we have to stand in the gap to advocate for those that cannot advocate for themselves, such as the unborn. And so what do you wish we knew? Uh, you've been doing this for a long time. What do you wish we knew about the sanctity of life? Well, um, as Pastor said earlier, that um, life is, human life is sacred and it truly is a gift from God, and that we should value all people because we value their maker who is God. And so to dishonor anyone that's created in the image of God is really to dishonor God. Awesome. And so you must, have, you must be a lot of stories, a lot of people's lives that have been impacted as you've loved on people. Do you have one that kind of sticks out? I do, well, I have many that stick out, but one that has stuck with me for a long time and still does is um, when I first started working in, Mar in Morristown, I was actually sent there because there's a big um, population of immigrants from Central America, and because I'm bilingual, I was able to help. And I remember um, there was one young woman that came in from Honduras that had um, arrived to the States to work to send money back to her country. And so she got into a relationship, and now she found herself in an unplanned pregnancy and was looking to abort because she could not see how she could have this baby, provide for this baby, and then also provide for her family back in Honduras. Being that she was Catholic, um, we were able to speak to her about God's love for her. We were able to speak to her about what God says about life. And so she started to kind of think about all of that, and, and we kind of saw that she was kind of thinking, maybe I can do this. So we proceed with uh, medically confirming her, her pregnancy. So as we are in the um, ultrasound room, which was my client, me, and the nurse, the nurse was scanning her. Um, the nurse first scans the client, gets all the information she needs, makes sure that everything is accurate 
before she puts it on the TV and then she explains everything to the client. So I noticed that the nurse was taking a lot longer with this scan and so I also started to see that there was something different about this scan. So she continues to scan. I'm looking and I saw what she was looking. We both, the nurse and I both looked at each other and we both nodded. And so then she told me, tell her in Spanish. So I went over and stood by her and I said, God has not only blessed you with one baby, but you have two. So we all started to cry. The nurse put it on the TV, showed her everything. She saw the heartbeat, heard the heartbeat, and then she, we continued counseling. And of course, she um, decided to carry. And several years later, she was able to bring her two other children from Honduras to the States. Her twins are now, which was a boy and a girl, they are now seven years old, and I occasionally do still see them. How can we get involved? How can I, our church help? That's a great question. So you guys are doing an awesome job with contributing those gifts for the moms and the babies. Um, we do need volunteers. Um, Montclair would be the closest uh, office to here. So volunteering opportunities include um, being um, a parenting class facilitator, organizing the baby boutique, um, doing follow-up calls, filing stuffing envelopes, anything that you can do can make a difference in a woman's life. So if you guys would like more information, I have brochures out there or you can just speak to me. So I've visited before and there's this room with all these diapers and toys in them. What's that about? Yes, so that is our baby boutique and so our parenting classes, it's, the curriculum is called Earn While You Learn because we also want to teach um, our clients to be responsible, so we don't just give them handouts. So when they take a class, we reward them with what we call mommy bucks or coupons, and then they can shop at a baby boutique that we have at every, at every one of our centers so they can start um, accumulating stuff for their babies. Awesome. Hey, let's pray for uh, First Choice and for Cindy. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you that you love us, and thank you that you, you fill us with love for others, that we want, to help, we want to help others to experience the life that you've given to us. We want to help people in tough situations. And so we pray for first choice, that you would protect them. We also pray that um, you would help uh, other, those who are in crisis to be able to find first choice so that they can... Uh, see the truth so they can see what's really going on and make wise choices. I pray for uh, us as a church. I'm sure in our church that there are many of us who have been impacted by abortion one way or the other. And Lord, help us to, to find you, find healing, help each other, be able to talk about it, and be able to move forward with it. In the future, Lord, Help us to be anchors for our children so they can know and, and have the courage to make the choice of life when they find themselves in a crisis. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks, India. Thank you.
Uh, she spoke a little bit about the gifts. Every, every year we do the uh, love mission, and we collect all those stars, and we buy all those gifts for kids. That's for mothers who've chosen to, to keep their children, and we help them. We want to help them succeed in that decision that they've, that they've made. Okay, wrapping up the series. What have, we, what have we seen again and again and again in the series? Whether it be gender or racism or the design of God's sex or life, a conviction in the state of being convinced starts with God created you in God's image. That's where it starts. That's how you know that you have value. That's how you get your identity. That's how you determine what sex is for and how beautiful it can be and what you're going to do from there on out. What's the second thing we learned? We learned that because of sin, it, it all got broken. It all got broken. And so it, we have these feelings inside of us that tell us, hey, wait a minute, I don't feel like who God says I am. We have desires that tell us to use sex for myself, not for oneness. We have, because of our brokenness, instead of using our differences to be able to celebrate it, no, no, no. We use skin color as a way to divide each other. And so Christ said, the next piece of the conviction is, Christ said, I came to give you a new life. To be able to grab a hold of Christ as my personal Savior. What happens when you realize what God's created you to be? What happens when you realize God is really clear about all these issues? Does it create chaos in your life? It does not. But it does create chaos. Why? Because the world around you says, no, 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 no. The way to get rid of problems the way to get rid of guilt, the way to get rid of any of this chaos in our lives is you need to affirm, you need to accept, you need to tell people they're going to be great right where they are, and they can be whoever they want to be. They do not have to answer to God. That creates the vice. Well, I know how I struggle with the vice. I know I had to struggle quite often. It's this. Oh no, the world is falling apart. What are we going to do? Oh no, this is terrible. Every time I read the news, my heart just drops. Like, oh no, what are we going to do? We need to run inside of a little tunnel, a little hole, and hide. That's not what Jesus is. Here's the deal. Everyone in every generation has chaos. This is not new. Our flavor of chaos might be a little bit new, but chaos is not new. You see, this is our time. This is your time. This is 100% our time. God has us living in this moment with the people that you know, the people that you influence, 
so that you can grab a hold of him and others can grab a hold of you. There's a guy in my life who's a major anchor in my life. His name's Wayne. And uh, he had a beautiful family, three kids, beautiful wife, uh, great job. I mean, things were clicking. And he was a great guy. And then his wife got MS. And it was hard. But she was amazing. So she worked. And the main thing with MS, man, keep moving, keep moving, keep moving, keep moving. Do not sit still. And she didn't. And she kept moving. She kept working. She kept volunteering. She... And then in 1977, on their way to Christmas dinner, someone ran a stop sign and broke her hip. That was it. The MS then started to take control. And I watched Wayne with his wife go from helping her walk to pushing the wheelchair to carrying her to her being curled up like a little child. I watched her go from, this is my beautiful wife, that I have this passionate, loving relationship that we talked about, to, this is my wife, I change her diapers, and I feed her every day. How do you be that kind of man? How do you do that? Well, he grabbed a hold of Jesus. And he grabbed a hold of what Jesus said was true. And he transcended this life. And he said, I will sacrifice this life so that that woman knows she is loved. All the way to her death. In my married life, Every time it got hard, every time, I grabbed a hold of Wayne, who had grabbed a hold of Jesus. Listen, I don't care if you're 15 or you're 25, I don't care if you're single or you're married. You are called to be an anchor in other people's lives. You can only be that anchor if you will grab a hold of Jesus with both hands and don't let go. Lord Jesus, thank you for convictions. Thank you that we can be convinced of the truth. That we can build our lives on what you say is true about any and every issue.
And that we as a body can encourage each other and build each other up. That we can grab a hold of you and therefore we can be anchors to others that are coming behind us, around us, and with us. Folks, for some of you, you're here this morning. Jesus has been calling you. to stop living both lives, to stop talking about how you, you believe in Jesus and you love Jesus, but he's not your anchor. You, you are a hold of the world, and so you're not an anchor. You're just part of the chaos. Let go of the world this morning. Let go of the world. Grab a hold of Jesus. Let him define your identity. Let him define who you are. Let him define what sex is all about. Submit to what he has called you to be. Be free. Be an anchor. In your name we pray. Amen.